0: Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts. Yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined as always by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Woo boy. We are back at it. Much to discuss with Oklahoma State, but before we do that, I want to bring in Kyle Porter. Kyle, I know the tornado down in the Dallas area was was pretty close to home. I uh, just wanted to make sure everything was all right. I, I talked to you before the show started, but for anyone listening, I want you to kind of give an update on everything that happened uh, last night.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. I was at a buddy's house uh, across the street from Uh, a house that we, uh, the house that we own and uh, couldn't, couldn't even, couldn't even look outside and see across the street to our house. Um, It was, it was wild. I I don't know that I've ever been that close to a tornado and uh, kind of been out this entire morning. Normally we probably would have taped this in the morning, but uh, just helping clean up in the neighborhood. And uh, it was, it was pretty nuts, but thankfully every, everybody seems to be okay. And it was it was actually kinda of fun. It was kind of a galvanizing ex- not I mean the storm wasn't fun, but the cleanup was a galvanizing experience within our neighborhood. So uh cool to just like see neighbors out helping each other and uh yeah, everybody's good, so all good.
0: Well that's good. I'm glad everybody's safe. No major damage. The uh the shed didn't blow away, did it? You're not taping this from the, the living room?
1: Dude, people don't believe in my in my shed making skills, but this thing, I mean, it's lived through all kinds of storms. It's lightning, tornadoes. It's it's rock solid.
0: (laughs) You're going to have to like borrow Gundy's helicopter and and transport it to to your new house that you're going to move into.
1: Yeah. So we we bought, we we're we're about, we're moving at some point. And uh, my, one of my buddies was like, bro, I told you to build that thing on wheels. So you could just you could wheel it <laughs> over to your new house, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't, that's that, that's not."
0: It w- definitely would have blown away then if it was on wheels, <laughs> with that that nader you guys had.
1: Yeah, not not good. Not a good. Not a good uh, evening. But again, like I I don't I've maybe there has been deaths in the area, but I haven't seen any reported, which is kind of miraculous.
0: Yeah, just some injuries, no no deaths, which is which is excellent news considering how severe all that was. You want to hop in the, the talk about mid first before we jump into the mid first five
1: yeah we should do like a mid first 500 this week um based yep. on what what we saw on saturday uh no you can go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing uh sign up and get an osu credit card i don't know how much you want to show off your osu credit card right now but you can still get one and earn a 150 fifty uh, dollar bonus you can earn points there's uh bursar rewards options uh, so cool little uh, special that MidFirst is offering Pistols Firing listeners. That's midfirst.com uh, slash pistols firing. And uh, where do you want to start with the MidFirst 5? I have defense listed first just because I wanted to save the, the the good stuff for last. Do you want to talk about the, the OSU defense on Saturday?
0: Yeah, let's go in order. Um, you know, Kyle, like it's, it's – it's weird. Like, OSU, I think, has been improved this year defensively. We talked about it before the Baylor game. I believe they were top 50 in defensive efficiency. But nothing has changed in terms of giving up big plays. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, they had, what, five plays over 40 yards mm-hmm. in, in this game given up. Right when OSU would get a lead, they would just give up the monster play after monster play. And I don't know, man. I, <laughs> It seems as if it's it's got getting worse, not better. That, and even though I, the numbers have been better this year, just didn't it feel like guys were running way more wide open than maybe even in under Glenn Spencer? I mean, I certainly do. And I just I don't know. I don't think this thing's going in the right direction. And th- that brings me to a larger point with Mike Gundy, who we'll get to and everything else. But I don't know. I just I don't like the direction this defense is going under Jim Knowles. I don't. It, that was a total atrocity to give up. Well, they give up 35 in the last 17 18 minutes of the game well the it thing was, for it was terrible
1: me, the thing for me is they Baylor only ran 54 plays and they put up like 550 in terms of your I mean they averaged – Carson that was almost the the least like the worst efficiency an Oklahoma State defense has has had in a single game in the gundy era they gave up not, they gave up a first down on average every single play. 9.9 yards of play. That's horrendous. I mean, to give up over six is is kind of not great. To give up 10 is just and, – and it wasn't like – I mean, they just it was consistent throughout the game. And, you know, I, I was looking back at the worst, uh, like the least efficient performances in, in Oklahoma State defensive history in terms of the Gundy era – the top five up until the Baylor game were all against OU. They gave up like 10 and a half a couple years ago. They gave up eight and a half one year, but this Baylor game now goes in those OU games in terms of the least efficient games ever. And I'm with you. It seems like Baylor was just running these slants over the middle and then they take it to the house and you're like, well, what is, I mean, where is everybody? Honestly, at times it looks like Oklahoma state's playing with nine defenders. And the offense has like 13 guys.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to give Jim Knowles a little bit of a pass in that. I thought he dialed up some good blitzes in which OSU didn't get there and they missed the tackle. If they could just tackle Charlie Brewer, they would have been in much better shape. Yeah. uh, There in the first half and third quarter. But, man, you're right. I mean, Baylor is not an explosive offense. I mean, I understand giving up those type of numbers to Oklahoma, but Baylor's pretty – mediocre in terms of offensive explosiveness and I just Kyle I I know Oklahoma is different than Oklahoma State I, I readily understand that but I just look and they obviously have better recruits I get that too but I just look at the job that Alex Grinch is doing at Oklahoma he has completely transformed them from the worst defense in the country literally probably the worst defense in the country was OU last year to a top, they're, they're giving up 19 points per game. They're like second in the country and third down conversions. Given Like they're, they're playing at an unbelievable level. And to me, this gets back to Mike Gundy, who we're going to get to in a, in a larger extent. But, And again, I'll preface all this with Mike Gundy's a great coach. He's won 10 games, six out of the last nine years. But I think the arrogance is getting to him a little bit. T- to hire Jim Knowles from Duke and pay him what you're paying him <laughs> to hire guys from Shippensburg and Princeton and pay them 500 grand, like go hire the best coordinator in the country with that kind of money. Like they're paying, they're paying these guys half a million dollars, Kyle. And Gundy just thinks whatever he touches turns to gold. And for the most part of during his career, that's been absolutely true. But you got to hire a defense coordinator that's highly regarded and is going to change the culture of OSU defense. It has been bad since any of us can remember and hiring the defensive coordinator from Duke is not going to get it done. Like he's made some some improvements, I've been willing to admit that this year. They've played well at times this year, but my God, Gundy just thinks he has, and it's not anymore. And I thought I think it was Steve Mandeville in the in the Daily Bulls today. The way he phrased, it I thought was perfect. Gundy has lost the benefit of the doubt with his record: ten and twenty-two has passed, or ten and twelve in his past twenty-two Big Twelve games. So that's where I am with the defense, Kyle. Like, He's made bad hires. Glenn Spencer also came from Duke, by the way. Go hire a big-time defense coordinator and pay him the money you're paying him, or else just hire Jim Knowles and pay him $200,000 and put the rest into recruiting, which you don't seem to care about. That, that's another issue. Like, he doesn't make it. Gundy's, Gundy's paid a top-ten salary in the country and recruits in the 40s. No other coach that gets paid that kind of salary does that. So, I mean, again, we'll get to Mike Gundy. And, again, he's a great coach, all those prefaces. But that's where I am with the defense.
1: All the caveats. Related to the defense, Carson, is turnover margin. And, you know, Oklahoma State, I've been just pounding this drum for two years. They don't create turnovers anymore. They've created seven so far this season through seven games, which is not good. It's among the worst in the country. I got to look at – so it ranks – uh, they're tied for 104th in turnovers created. I think last year they, that's where they ended around was 105th, 110th in the country. They are currently 123rd in turnover margin. Uh, they are negative 1.3 turnovers per game. And when you have a defense that uh, doesn't get turnovers and an offense that gives it up at will. And again, this is with a, this is with a McNeese game in there. This is with, I, I don't even want to look at the conference only numbers. It would be just an, just an abomination, but you you, should, you can't win games like that. You can't create negative one point. You, you can't have a negative 1.3 turnover margin per game. So you're going out and basically saying, we're going to give you an extra possession and a half. Almost. You're just not going to win games. You're just not like, no, very few teams are, and especially not at Oklahoma state. And, you know some of that spencer sanders related some of it is again the defense not creating stuff i don't know the defense was weird on saturday because you're right at times they were like they looked unbelievable i mean there was a stretch in the second quarter where you're like this looks like the best defense in the in the conference and then the rest of it you're like where did they not get enough guys on the field like that <laughs> that's <laughs> what it felt like and so i just that, that it's, it's very inconsistent, I think is the word that has kind of come to mind about not just this year, but the last few years.
0: Yeah, and I'm – look, turnovers are kind of fluky. Oklahoma hasn't forced a turnover in three straight games, but what they're doing is playing outstanding defense. I'm cool with lack of turnovers if you're not giving up five plays over 40 yards, if you're not letting guys run wide open against Texas in the secondary. I mean, just if you're playing sound defense and getting off the field, I'm fine with that. But they're clearly not getting turnovers, and they're not getting stops. I mean, they've given up 45 in two straight games. Now, one of that was a fumble return for a touchdown from Spencer Sanders. But the fact is, they're just not getting it done defensively, Kyle. And, and, but again, I will say, for the most part this year, I think the offense has been the bigger issue than the defense. But the defense was absolutely horrible against Baylor in the second half.
1: Yeah, five the five of the uh, Baylor's last six like actual possessions, not including the last one where they're just kind of running it out, uh, were touchdowns. Five touchdowns and six possessions, and again they only ran they ran fifty four plays and scored what? Uh, how many touchdowns did they score? Six on off, uh, five on offense, six. I don't know how many they scored. Uh, however many it was, it wasn't good. And five. Yeah, cuz they had the they had the fumble return for a touchdown. Um it was just the second half was it was about as frustrating as and as bad as it's been, I think in the last I don't know, since in the Dana era, since 2010. I mean, 2014 was was really bad at times. But in terms of uh expectations against results, do you want to talk about Sanders. It's time. It's time
0: um, for him to not play. I don't know. I go back and forth on that. Uh, What I'm going to say about Sanders is, look, do I think he has significant potential? Of course I do. We all do. I think everyone's pretty much on the same page with that. But at a certain point, and this goes whether you play left tackle, if you play running back, if you play defensive end, if you're not doing your job and you're missing assignments, you lose your spot. And if you're a quarterback where everything's magnified, and you're literally gifting points to the other team in crucial situations during massive football games, at a certain point, you don't deserve to be the guy. And look, I think he has the potential. I think he should be starting. But you can't keep fumbling it off your own leg. You can't, when you're flushed out of the pocket, carry it around like a loaf of bread and fumble it for a touchdown. These are very simple things that you ask of a quarterback. And he's not doing it. And he has ten turnovers, I believe, in their three losses. You got eleven in Big Twelve play, so it's it's an epidemic. And again, I just do I think the, the coaching staff's putting him in the best positions? No, I don't. I mean, their offense, Kyle, consists of hand it off to Chuba, throw a screen, a bubble screen, or throw the fade route. That is literally their offense. Where has their offense gone? Where is the zone read with Spencer Sanders? Where is The run-pass option with Spencer. Clearly, Spencer, Kyle, is not as good as we thought he was, and the coaching staff has reacted as such because they don't let him do anything. They're trying to make it as simple as humanly possible for him. And as a result, their offense is far less explosive, far less dynamic, far less creative. My gosh, how hard is it to roll him out and let him either take off, throw it to Jelani, or throw it deep? Like, it just... It's hard to watch this offense, and as bad as the defense was, they got enough stops in the first half and third quarters for Oshu to open up the game, and Spencer underthrows Jordan McRae by five yards on a fade route. So Spencer's not playing well. He's not as accurate as I thought he was. He's not playing well, and as a result, the coaching staff has completely shut down the offense to where it's going to be hard for him to do much of anything anyway. So it's just it's twofold, but it starts with him turning the ball over.
1: When you said zone read right there, I— I had uh I actually forgot that that was a play that you could run and that they actually ran it against What happened what where's the Oregon State game? Where's the Oregon State offense?
0: Have they run the speed option since that game? That offense that looked like a different I mean look, I get it. Oregon State
1: is although Oregon State's won some games, they're not like it's not bad. They're not the worst bad. team in the country
0: anymore, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that offense just looked I mean I I I don't get it. I I don't understand. I understand if you, if you progress, like if you start out like this and then you progress to the Oregon state game, I don't understand the regression. I don't understand starting out with the Oregon state offense and regressing to where you're at now. And I don't know if that's, I mean, we've talked about this a million times. I guess that's Gundy. I, I don't know. I don't, nobody actually knows like the inner workings or whatever, but uh, I don't understand the regression, and you're right. Like they've, I, and to, as to his credit, like I thought Sanders was pretty good in the first half, first couple quarters, until he threw that just horrendous fade to Jordan McRae. He was he was kind of checking down to Jelani. He threw a great fade uh, for a touchdown to Jordan McRae in the first quarter, uh, and, and put you know kind of spread it around more than he has just locking in on Thailand all year, and then from that interception on it was just it just felt like flag football i mean it feels like uh, the sigma news are back there like running running their best athlete around trying to get their other best athlete open right yeah yeah like that that's what it feels like and that's just uh, that's that's a bummer when you got two of the best skill skill guys in school history uh and you're not your offense you can't make an offense work with that
0: well, let's stay on this subject for a while. You good with that? Uh, let's let's start here, too. I mean, I don't watch film. I don't break down the film like our, like our boy Adam Lunt does. I, he does a great job it. with that. But just off the top of my head, Kyle, I counted like maybe once or twice, I'm talking the entire game, that Spencer Sanders threw a pass between the hash marks. Yeah. It was all to the sides of the... Like, they are scared to death for him to throw it over the middle. Or maybe he is, too. But... You can't coach and play scared to turn the ball over. You just can't. So to your point, maybe you do play Drew Brown. If, if you're that petrified as the coordinator and the head coach of your quarterback, well, you're, you're done. Your, your goose is cooked anyway. And so, But again, I, I don't watch film, but Dusty Dvorak does. And he was on the Sports Animal this morning. I happened to catch it. And I thought it was an interesting point. He, he said he watched in the film, the third and six fumble. First off, they run two horrible plays to get him in third and six. They're putting him in bad positions. They're putting him behind the chains with some of their play calling. They're not calling good games. But it's third and six. Apparently, Landon Wolf is open on, on, a, on the route in which Spencer was trying to find him and just didn't throw the football. It's a first down. He didn't throw it. He tried to run around more and resulted in a fumble. Like That's not on the coaches as much as I think they've been yeah. uncreative all year. Spencer has to throw the football and get the first down and move on. Yeah, but he's trying to do too much at once. But I did post this stat, Kyle. Uh, you may have seen it already, but I'll ask you: interceptions through four career Big 12 games. Spencer Sanders has eight. How many do you think Mason Rudolph had?
1: I did see this. I think he had seven. He had six. Six. Okay. And then he so had two. Th- he had three in the West Virginia game.
0: He had three in the West Virginia game. So he had nine through five games, and we'll see how many Spencer has after next week's game at Iowa State. It's but a great Gundy. Stat. But my point in posting this stat is, Gundy is the one, not me, not you, that cites 20 games as kind of the benchmark for a quarterback, right? I thought to it was 15. Mature. 15 or 20? I think I think it's 20. Maybe it's 15. Okay. You could be you could be correct. Well, guess what game career game number it would have been for Sanders against Baylor <laughs> if he started last year?
1: Hey, it'd be well, 20. But so okay, so here's here's where it gets interesting. Is like you sort of it, – it's, it's almost the reverse argument this year, right? Like you've got the young guy in there, but he's struggling. Do you go with the, the veteran guy who's not going to be there next year because he's
0: graduating?
1: Like would you would exactly. would you would you start Drew Brown at Iowa State?
0: Um, I'd be tempted to. I uh, probably wouldn't just because of I'm making the argument that <laughs> Spencer Sanders needs experience and I'm comparing him to Mason Rudolph. I mean, would you have started Mason Rudolph over Dax Garman in 2014? Well, yes. knowing, knowing what I know now, yes. <laughs> I don't think you would sit him for Dax Garman, who's, who's gone in a year or two. So, no, I, I think you ride, you're ride. you too far down the road with Spencer Sanders. Yes. And, I, and, again, I, yeah. this is why you don't invest a season on Taylor Cornelius, who's leaving after that year. And I get, you know, you, you try to win every Saturday. I understand that. If you want to shine the Liberty Bowl trophy and tell me it was really important to win six or seven games and go to the <laughs> Liberty Bowl instead of going, you know, four and eight, which I don't know if they would have gone four and eight last year. I have no idea. But here's here's the disturbing part. Now you're going through all this with Sanders. And next year you don't have Chuba Hubbard or Tylen Wallace because those guys are going to the pros. They're going to the NFL.
1: Hey, Chuba's like 15 games away, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. He's less than that. He might just sit out the last couple of games of the year and get ready for the NFL. How about that? Like Justice Hill did. I wouldn't blame him. No, absolutely not. But that but this is kind of this goes into that argument of he should have played last year because you know why? You're not gonna have Chuba and Tywin forever. And now how's this gonna get any better next year for Spencer Sanders losing those two? What's I mean, next? It's just, what
1: what is here's a question. What's next year gonna be
0: like? I don't know. But I think last year was coaching malpractice to not play him a single snap.
1: <laughs> I love this. And again, tape. I'm not,
0: I'm not, and again, I'm not going to advocate you start him game one and, and start him all 13 games as a true freshman. I'm not at practice. That that could have been a total disaster, but to not play him in mop up duty or at all. OU is playing Spencer Rattler and they're Oh, they don't, they don't need to be playing him. But why are they playing him to get him ready for next year? And he can still red shirt like it. To not play him at all last year was coaching malpractice. I will stand by that, and it's just – you're seeing you're seeing why now. I mean, look, like Spencer is not ready to play. He's not making the proper reads because he's still adjusting to the game just like Mason Rudolph did.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think you can st- – there's no point in starting Drew Brown right now. I mean, what are you trying to – would you bet your life on Oklahoma State going to a bowl game?
0: I wouldn't bet my life on anything sports related. <laughs> did you see? Did you see the line at the at Iowa State? Like reasons I don't gamble: Wisconsin losing to Illinois. Like,
1: but did you see the OSU Iowa State line?
0: Yeah, they're down. They're ten and a half point underdogs. Ten and a half. I think that's low.
1: This is the wheels are off. Get, I mean, they're gonna get smoked. Gund- Gundy said the wheels were off in the fourth quarter on on uh, Saturday. The wheels are off for the season. I mean. I just, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. And I, I, I always get a little like when, when, uh, when people in the comments or Twitter or whatever, like might not make a bowl this year, might lose out. I'm usually like, whatever, dude, like just get, just check into reality and close like, your and,
0: laptop and, yeah. and, and go for a walk.
1: But this year I'm like, ah, yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, Look, like if I'm betting, I'm still betting on Oklahoma State winning enough games to make it to a bowl. But I do think there's a world in which that might not happen this year.
0: Well, Brock Purdy's top five in the country in passing. What's he going to do to that secondary that, again, we we hailed the secondary all year. They're getting torched. I mean, it's same song, different verse for those who defense. And they need an absolute culture change on that side of the football.
1: I mean, I, I do think I think this is why like we've always heard Gundy talk about quarterback play, quarterback play, quarterback play, and I think you're seeing this year the reason why. And look, I again, like I am I am all the way out on this limb. Like I'm going down with the with the the Sanders ship. Like I will sink to the bottom of the ocean with that ship because I can't go back now. Like I I've been all in. Whatever, I'm going down with it, but. You get bad. You get quarterback play where you turn the ball over a lot, and you're not making good decisions, and you're apparently limited in what you can run. And we see the effects of that. And I think it's, I think it is affects the team broadly too. I think it affects the defense. I think it affects just everybody in the way they view everything. And uh, I I think this year is is kind of like the the bad end or the the wrong side of the spectrum of what Gundy's been talking about.
0: That's true, but I, I also think it's it's lazy to just blame this year on Spencer Sanders turning the oh, ball yeah. over. This is yeah, this yeah. is a this is a three year problem. Okay, go are we back.
1: Talk, to, are, are we doing this let, now with let's Gundy? Let's do
0: this now. Let's let's okay. let's get to Mike Gundy because this is a three year problem. Go all the way back to 2017. They get absolutely they they come into that game ranked I think third in the country at TCU. Yeah, and and Kenny Hill no, runs were, them out of their own stadium. They're like ninth, but yes osu they weren't third dude i think they were like third in the country it was right after the pit game where they, they beat pit like 100 to nothing
1: i'll look it up they were ranked uh they were ranked sixth. so split it sixth
0: okay well i'm an old my memory fades <laughs> but point remains they're ranked sixth in the country people are picking them to go to the playoff they get boat raced by kenny trill they get embarrassed by kansas state make a late rally to keep that score not in a total atrocity and get beat on their home field and then they they play an all-time game against against baker mayfield No. you one of the best games you'll ever see they, they went for it i'll give them credit for that loss but you lose three games at home as a playoff contender You win as nine games with that team pros as everywhere
1: a, as a favorite
0: as a all favorite three. all three They're a favorite in all three and we all know what happened last year and what's happened this year. So this is so much larger to me than a young quarterback turning the ball over.
1: It is. And my point on Saturday was: look, you go forty. I think I think these numbers are right. Forty-eight and six over the first whatever twelve years of the Gundy era as a home favorite. That's a that's a good record. That's what you should do. You you you're gonna get upset once a year, twice every three, whatever. Like the, the, that's gonna happen but a good program goes 48 and six over the first 12 years of, of this era, you've gone seven and six in the last three as a home as a favorite at home. That is what mediocre programs do or bad programs do. That is, that's terrible. And I get it. Like some of those games are favored by one point. That's not really getting upset, but it's happened over and over and over in games that they should have won that they're not winning. They're just not. And so I, I, I just – I think you look at it now and you're like, where, at, where are you at as a program within the Big 12? Are you the sixth best program in the Big 12 right now? You might be. You're not second. You're not in the top four. You might be the eighth best. I mean, Carson, they're, they are a Texas field goal from potentially being uh, tied for last going in, in the Big 12 going into Halloween. They're not going to win at Iowa State, I don't think. And if if Texas misses that field goal, they would have been tied for last going into November, uh, in, in this conference. Where 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 what's your where are you in the pecking order of the Big Twelve conference right now? Because it's it's and to your point, like it, this is not a one year deal. So I was telling somebody, I was telling my wife this on on Saturday night, like. People get worked up about one game. This is not a one game thing. It's not about the tech game. It's not about the Baylor game. It's about 3 years of kind of mediocrity, really, based on based on what you had. You know, it's it's not yeah. living up to the expectations that that you have set for yourself and going 9 and 3 with a team in uh when was in 2017, that's a, that's a 10 win regular season team. You got to go win 10 games with that team. You lose to OU, whatever. Don't lose to Kansas state and TCU. Just don't do it. And then last year was what it was, like you said, and this year it's a trend. It's not a one game or a one year thing. It's an overall trend and the trajectory of the program is not good right now.
0: No. And here's, here's the bigger issue. And you you mentioned where they at in the pecking order amongst programs the Big 12 has a bunch of young, hungry coaches who are ready to prove themselves. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That kind of sounds like Mike Gundy back in 2008. You got Matt Rule, who's doing an unbelievable job at Baylor. You have Matt Campbell, who can take just about any job that comes open in the country. You got Tom Herman reviving Texas from a doormat to relevance. You got Lincoln Riley, who's like apparently the best offensive mind to ever grace the sport. And then you have Mike Gundy who signed, essentially, a lifetime contract in 2017. Hmm. When did we start seeing, seeing problems with this program? 2017. Um, I, I question, and again, I'm being asked to to evaluate why OSU has slipped from a team that wins 10 games six out of nine years to a team that <laughs> might not go to a bowl game this year and was lucky to go to one last year. Uh, and so I'm, I'm searching for reasons. And... A lifetime contract where you get a raise every year no matter what doesn't make me want to work very hard if I'm given that. And I, I question whether Gundy's working as hard as he did earlier in his tenure when he was a young, unproven head coach. And has he rested on his laurels a bit? Because Matt Rule and, and Matt Wells, who just got to Tech, he's immediately made them far more competent than they were under Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he, he whooped up on Gundy and Lubbock, something that hadn't been done since 2008. So he's surrounded by young coaches who are working their tails off to beat him. And he's getting beat by teams that have less talent than he does. And so I don't know what the issues are. Is it is it the hires he's made? Probably. Does he need a kick in the pants like Dana Holgerson back in 2010? I think so. Does he think – I mean, Kyle, I noticed it too. <laughs> Did it not seem like they were running Dana's kind of – page 102 of Dana's playbook against <laughs> Baylor. They were running like the diamond a bunch that we haven't seen like, felt, to that it, extent since two- It's like, it's like Gundy just said, well, hell I'll, I'll just run Dana's old stuff that, that worked back in 2010 and they started running that stuff. So I, that all that to me is where I stand with my Gundy.
1: It felt like they were running the, uh, like the between Dana and Monken like JW Walsh stuff. Like you're like well yeah i guess we'll go diamond i guess we'll just let him run i don't know like yeah there's like three plays out of the diamond that that will do you know I, i this struck me as i was watching the game on saturday carson baylor's secondary was uh aggressive they cheated a lot they had hands in people's face masks they were hitting guys early and and some of that is a lack of discipline, but some of it, man is just being like fired up about playing college football. Some of it is just having a swagger because you're five and O or 7, whatever six and O now seven and O and being ranked in the top 15 in the country. And you're like, we might lose, but we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to go down with a fight. And I just, I don't know that you could have said that about the Oklahoma state program in the last three years. And I think that, Programs and companies and organizations take on the personalities of their leadership. That's not necessarily just one person. I think leadership uh, spans the spectrum. I don't. I don't think you know. There's multiple people in leadership in any organization. So that's not just Gundy. But for whatever reason, we haven't really seen that from Oklahoma State in the last few years. And uh, I don't know. I think. I think it's fair. I think. The place where I land on this, I'm not talking about Gundy's contract. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I think I think the place that I've landed is that it's fair to start asking questions about Mike Gundy and about the trajectory of this program and about what the future looks like. Because if the future looks like this, that's not a very exciting future that people are going to get fired up about and buy season tickets. And when people stop buying season tickets, that's when Mike Holder gets fired up and things start happening. So. I'm really curious about that, and did you see how Gundy responded to kind of all of this on Monday in his press conference?
0: Yes. I mean, I, I think the press conference turned into kind of a state of the address, and it, and it needed to be because, again, it's, it's just, this is far more than the Baylor game. This, this program has slipped from the second. This program was the second best in the Big 12, and that is a credit to Mike Gundy and the amount of winning he's done. At a place like OSU, is very hard to do. I think, I think that gets overlooked a lot. But no, I think it's it, he. He basically said, "If you're mad, just show up to the game. And that'll that'll help recruit." And that people just like to complain. And that he took he took two Ambien and drove to work at 3:45 in the morning. That didn't seem like a good idea. But that that was kind of his response, was it not?
1: Yeah, he he just sort of like hollered about stuff that's just I I don't know. I, I he he basically said like, "Trust me, I got this." And my response is, I've got three years of evidence that says you actually don't got this, right? Like, uh, I don't know. And, and I get it. Like, they played for so many Big Twelve titles. I, I get. I get sort of annoyed when people are like, "He only won one Big Twelve title." It's like, man, they played OU a bunch of times for the Big Twelve title. Should have had two. Could have had like four. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's meaningful. Like that's not, that's not insignificant. So I don't want to diminish that, but this is how it kind of goes at the end of, at the end of runs, right? Like this, this is, you look at, I don't know, people always bring up Mac Brown or just different coaches. This is how it starts to look and it's hard to get it back. That was how I ended my 10 thoughts on Saturday was like, you've lost the benefit of the doubt. Like I, I, uh, most people, and I would include myself among them, have always given Gundy the benefit of the doubt because he's been so good for so long. And they've lost it now. They don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore because of how they've performed over the last three years. Again, not just the Baylor game, but that this is sort of when it's kind of hitting home. And you start to look at the rest of the schedule, and all of a sudden you go 6-6, six and six, and then maybe you miss a bowl game this year. Or you go 6-6 six and six again, and you lose two top 50 picks to the NFL. Then what? What's after that? How does it look after that? You're not recruiting. Is Shane Ellingsworth like the next, is he Brandon Whedon? Is he Mason Rudolph? Is he going to, is he going to take over for Spencer Sane? I mean, wh- how's this going to go? And I think that starts to get a little bit, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's unpleasant, which means they're probably going to go out and win Bedlam and everything will be right with the world <laughs> in two months.
0: Well, I think that's the perfect way to put it to me. I think that's the best way to describe it is the benefit of the doubt is gone. And and I think that goes more than just wins and losses. It goes to his recruiting style. Again, when you're winning 10 games and just collecting two and three stars and saying, well, I got this, and you do, that's one thing. Well, you start getting your doors blown off by Baylor, who was 1-11 two years ago. Well, that's quite another. And... Go hire, go hire a defensive coordinator who's a lights-out recruiter. who can get guys like you're getting on offense at skill positions to come play safety and corner and linebacker. So, I just, to me, he's, he's neglected that side of the ball for far too long. I mean, hiring – like, Glenn Spencer did a, did a good job his first year, but they've regressed since Bill Young. They've regressed since Glenn Spencer. Now they've regressed with Jim Knowles. It's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse since 2011. Uh, I guess 2013 was their best year, but that that seemed to be an aberration. Yeah. But um. But no, I mean, I I I just wonder if he if he's just comfortable, Kyle. I think that's another thing that's I think fair to question, right? The guy's been there. This was his fifteenth year, fourteenth year. Fifteen. I, yeah. Fifteenth year.
1: All these questions are fair. I mean, yeah, you're one of the top whatever 13 highest paid guys or whatever it is. You it's it's open season to ask all these questions because. Again, it's not a one-year deal. It's not a one-game
0: deal. It's a trajectory thing.
1: Um, you want to talk about something more positive?
0: I guess. I could, go, I could go all day. You want to talk more about Spencer Sanders or you want to move on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean, do you really want to talk Sanders?
0: No, I'm just kidding. We can move on. Okay.
1: Uh, let's get to this week's Uniform Review, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at ChrisUniversitySpirit.com. Uh, Carson, the uniforms on Saturday were not indicative of how poorly Oklahoma State played late because they were awesome.
0: The helmet was spectacular. I think you pointed this out in your, your 10 thoughts. Like the, the numerals on the back of the helmet were, yes. were one of the best accents of anything they've ever worn. They just, so it just like, it like transformed you back to 1970 or whatever year those helmets were from. Uh, it was so odd. I was up in the press box. From there, they looked like Clemson because Clemson always wears orange, orange, white at home. Yeah. But then, when, like when the shadow took over the stadium, <laughs> they looked like Georgia. They looked red. It looked like yeah. red, red, white almost. So it was just a it was a strange look from up from up high, and I'm not sure what it looked like on TV.
1: Well, and in some of the photos that Jackson took, they looked like Tennessee because of the way the sun was hitting the field uh, and like, yeah. the orange was really light. Uh, I thought the helmet was great. I thought it was the opposite of the uh, – remember the little Bo Pete helmet they wore for <laughs> in uh, 20, yep. t- 2012, the decals. How could we that, forget? The decals that they picked up at Chris's on the way to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the opposite of that helmet. It was, it was great. It was, it was, yeah, it was really good. They've done such a good job with all this stuff. And, uh, I, a plus plus for me.
0: Could they have worn the 88 Jersey and pants with that helmet? That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. 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 They could have. I just, I, I don't like the throwback with the new, the new threads, the new Jersey and pants. I just. It kind of worked with, you know, it kind of worked that homecoming year where Mason wore black, orange, white. I guess, but in general, if you're just gonna go throwback, go full throwback. Yeah, but I think... again, I don't, I don't know the the inner workings of what's allowed and whatnot.
1: Uh, who you got for your Uni Heisman?
0: Oh boy, you mentioned in your 10 thoughts, uh, Cameron Murray, the big defensive tackle, rocking, <laughs> rocking the cowboy collar, the neck roll that you don't ever see anymore. Nobody wears these anymore. <laughs> He was wearing like big baggy sleeves. To me, like we always give the uni Heisman for who like looks the best and as pretty as they get, to quote Mike Gundy. But like Cameron Murray dressed to go to war. He was like, I don't care if my sleeves are a little baggy. This is comfortable, and I'm wearing my cowboy collar, and I'm going to come hit you in the face, is what he was saying with that look. So I'm going to give like a toughness uni Heisman to, to Cameron Murray, not a not a slick uni Heisman.
1: Yeah, I love it. That was a great call. Uh, it was like the Mike Allstott like neck roll thing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so good. Uh, I had I had Mike Scott. Speaking of defensive players, he um, it's going to be hard to describe this on a podcast, but he had uh, on one arm he had a sleeve, which is great. I'm pro sleeve. Alan Iverson love it. It's great. And then the other arm he had like. Maybe double digit of those thin wristbands. Uh, go, he looked like it was like tiger stripes. Honestly, like he like going. Up I think and I counted down, eight of them. Going I up and, eight, <laughs> which is exactly how I would like. You know, in my thirty-four year old uh, golf media world body, I, that's how I would look if I uh, if I strapped it up for a game. Just throw on like eight. I mean, I would probably only be able to fit like three wristbands up and down my arm because uh, they're a lot smaller than, than Mike Scott's, but uh, I, I loved it. And uh, Uni Heisman to Mike Scott for me.
0: So you're saying like the equipment guy comes to you, you're like, bro, I'm going to need about 12 thin Nike <laughs> wristbands in my locker. Thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, three would like fill up my arm. I wouldn't need them all. <laughs> I would
0: like probably tinker with my helmet and visor like every week. I would just, (laughs) I'd be wearing the equipment dudes out if I was on the team.
1: You would, uh, yeah, you would definitely, you'd tell Mike Gundy that he's going to have to pay your fine for wearing the the old Miami visor.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's no question.
1: Be like, look, just take take it out of your salary. Take it out of my books, whatever. (laughs) I don't care.
0: Put it on my bursar bill.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Mid first bursar bill. Exactly.
1: Uh, speaking of mid-first, great segue, Carson. Ultimate game day experience. You can enter now to win uh, until October 31st. We get 10 more days of this. Each swipe of your OSU credit card or debit card is another entry into the ultimate game day experience. Carson, they're giving away uh, two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November. Uh, you can hold the jokes on that. Uh, they're giving away a gift basket and they're giving away $500, uh, which might be more desirable now than two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November. But, uh, ultimate game day experience from mid first bank. Uh, pretty cool thing. And all you have to do is swipe your OSU debit card or credit card, uh, to enter this contest. So good stuff for mid first. We got a couple more things here. We need to hand out some bullet and BB stickers. Uh, Carson, who you got for your bullet sticker this week?
0: Um, not many to hand out after, uh, after this game, but, uh, I'll go, I'll go Jordan McCray. I thought he posed a big matchup issue at receiver. Uh, Spencer said after the game they were using a high safety on on uh, that made it a one-on-one matchup, and he obviously caught the touchdown um, in the in the first half. But I thought I thought McCray did the best what was given to him. Obviously, he was completely underthrown. I know people wanted him to like interfere with the Baylor guy, but. I'm not really going to put that on him when he was underthrown by so much, but he appears to me to be emerging as the the number two wide receiver, which they desperately need in this offense. They uh, Dylan Stoner has doesn't even appear to be part of the offense anymore. So uh, in a game in which there weren't many to hand out, I'll, I'll give it to Jordan McRae.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I, I love Jordan McCray. I love Braden Johnson. I think those guys are are underutilized, and I mean, I just this is not. Anaki and Spencer Sanders, but if Brandon Whedon had a Braden Johnson and a Jordan McRae and the offense they were running, I mean, they would. It would be. I don't even want to think about it. Um. <laughs> my bullet sticker is uh, LD Brown, our guy. the tra- The track finish at the goal line. That was unbelievable. Where did that? Where? Where did that come from?
0: Has anyone scored a touchdown of that length? And literally the entire time he was scoring, you were worried about the turf monster getting him?
1: I know. The way he runs, he's so deliberate with the way he runs, like his, his hands and arms pumping up and down, uh, that you're like, just, bro, like you just look normal. Just run like a normal person. Like it's, You don't have to like – he looked like he had a baton in his hand and he was like going up and down, like in a track event. Uh, he he also looks surprised to have that much open field in front of him, which I think all of us were. But good for him. He seems like a hard worker. Seems like he cares. I sound like Gundy right now. Um,
0: <laughs> good for him for scoring. Never says passion. a word.
1: I thought that. Yeah, I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. You got uh, a BB sticker? Multiple BBs for this
1: yeah. game? Yeah. I mean, you just start you just start distributing BB stickers everywhere.
0: I I enjoyed seeing BB at the game again. That was probably the highlight of the game for me, seeing BB. I love BB. I wish BB would get a flag and be able to run around the stadium. But uh, that's neither humor there. Um Well, gosh, I could just start drawing names out of a hat. Again, I, I'll I'll go first. You go ahead. You go ahead.
1: Uh, I've got the offensive line BB sticker. Uh, they were okay at times, but I just, I felt like Sanders was running for his life for much of the first half. You know, I, I thought they had, I thought he, I thought he played well in the first half when he wasn't running for his life, but I saw some stuff after the game that it was like offensive line shines, uh, for Oklahoma state at homecoming. And I was like, really? Like did you watch the same homecoming I watched? Because they were thought they were okay i I just i i don't know i i I, and i get it like you're shuffling people around guys are not playing where they're uh, normally playing but i don't know man i i don't think that i don't think they've been as good as maybe they initially looked in the oregon state game
0: no i would agree they did not play well on saturday and i heard the first the first question of mike gundy was well coach the offensive line held baylor to Three tackles for loss and no quarterback hits. How well did you think they played? Gun- it took only like five <laughs> seconds to realize what he was basking. He's like, what? We just got killed by Baylor. You think my offensive line played well? So, yeah. no, I, I agree with you. I didn't think they played well at all. I think, I think Sanders has gotten happy feet as a result of the lack of time he's been given through, through this season. Jeez. Um, I mean, I, I hate to beat up on the kid, but I, I got to go with Sanders. I mean, to give up that fumble in that situation, you're only down, were they down three at the time or four? Three? I think they were down three. It was just inexplicable. And again, I just, to me, Kyle, I'm starting to wonder, and again, this has happened with young quarterbacks. You've posted the numbers before. I've posted them. Mason Rudolph's career numbers, Zach Robinson's, Brandon Whedon's, their first however many starts, but, I want to start seeing the guy that we, we were billed to see. Like where where's the accuracy? He he misses throws that you can't miss at this level. He doesn't read and go through progressions at a near high enough level to have success in the Big 12. So it, it's time. Like you're, you're the starting quarterback, Mike Gundy's put his faith in you. He said they didn't think about pulling him pulling him out of the game. And credit to and I want to use this opportunity to talk about how impressive Spencer Sanders is. After the game, he handled that, frankly, better than Mike Gundy. He said, "Blame me." He took he took the blame for the loss. Mike Gundy never does that. Uh, I thought he handled it tremendously. As, as he handled it like a professional, and uh, he seems mature beyond his years. So I, I have confidence he'll turn it around. But again, you just you can't keep giving the other team the ball, or your a lot of this other stuff we've talked about is virtually irrelevant. Yeah,
1: I could not agree more. Um, okay, we've got one. Sorry, I was I was uh, reading some comments from people while you about Sanders while
0: you were uh, speaking any, there. Any good comments? No, uh, people
1: just people blaming PFB for the downfall of Oklahoma State football, which it seems <laughs> seems rational and uh, yeah, it's good. We're it's definitely on us. It's definitely our fault. Which, by the way, like I don't know if people know how this works, like. We, we, you and I are not on the team, not affiliated with the team. We don't uh, play or participate or contribute to the team. We are covering the team.
0: Do people not
1: do people not understand that?
0: Well, and I don't. What I don't get when people come after you guys is, it's almost like when you publish positive things, they think you're a fan and then when you evaluate how poorly things are going and write about it they think you're like a hater well which is it you can't be both right no yeah. you're you're covering the team it's simple as that and like when i don't want to get into that but i mean it's just <laughs> it's just it's weird and i thought you wrote an excellent 10 thoughts your last your last point about gundy was tremendous i thought Kyle Boone wrote a tremendous article questioning The direction of this program was was good so if you want all sunshine all the time Mm. you've you've come to the wrong place so that's that's all i would tell those people yeah and again people have come after me lately thinking i'm like a mike gundy hater which is just which is just hilarious to me i think i think myself and brian keating at my station as well we've We've tried to like – we've wondered aloud all this, even this season why people just don't think OSU is any good despite being the second-best program in the Big 12. It hasn't gone well for us this yeah. year. I think one but, of the- but I've defended Mike Gundy ad nauseum. When he wanted a new contract, I told him I'd her to pay him. Like I've, I, I, did you text him that? Whenever they beat Boise State, what did I come on here and say? I say that is proof that Mike Gundy is one of the best coaches in the country. So like when he does well – I'm going to say it when he's losing to Baylor and Texas tech and seemingly will not get any better next year. You got to call a spade a spade. So you're never going to make those people happy. Kyle. It's just, I think I'm, I'm off my soapbox now.
1: Okay. Well, I, one of the things that you've done really well that you do really well, that I think people maybe don't appreciate is just provide just good context for what we're talking about. It's not like people just fire Gundy after like the first quarter of like the fourth game of the year. And you're like, well, that's, that's, uh, it brings nothing to the conversation like here's the context of where oSU's been what the college football landscape is currently, and where oSU's going and that's what that's your job and you do it really well so we don't need to talk about this anymore let's hear one more time from our sponsor chris's university spirit we'll come back and yell at each other some more about Oklahoma State. <laughs> Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram – And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, One interesting thing. We've talked about a lot of interesting things. Uh, What's one that has either stood out or that you have uh, plucked from OSU World over the last week?
0: Well, I would like to talk about a former Oklahoma State coach. I thought it was interesting that the Mad Hatter – Uh, fired his offensive coordinator in the middle of the season Mm. and they dropped, they dropped a 48 spot on Texas and nearly won the game. Um, I mean, that's, that's initiative. That's changing something Mm. that's not working. So I want to give credit to Les Miles for making a big move in the middle of the year and dang near beating Texas. He has given Kansas a pulse and uh, that, that's going to be a tough game for OSU when Kansas comes to town. So I think that was interesting having the Mad Hatter back in, back in business in the big 12.
1: Is it bad that I am, uh, glad to have Kansas and Stillwater this year?
0: <laughs> well, they never play well in Lawrence cause nobody plays well in Lawrence. Cause you got to wake up the first half. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good thing.
1: Uh, by one interesting thing, I, I mentioned this earlier. I got ahead of myself. I got out over my skis cause I was trying to save this, but from 2005 to 2016, 48 and 6 as a home favorite. From 2017 to current, 7 and 6 as a favorite. So as many losses as a home favorite in the last three years as they had in the previous 12. And and if you want to extend that out, I mean, in the last three seasons, uh, as a favorite overall, so not just at home. Let me find this here. Um, they're 17 and 10 overall as a favorite since 2017, which is uh, – it's not good and before that they were 81 and 12 so 17 and 10 last 3 years as a favorite 81 and 12 in the previous 12 years as a favorite so they've they've lost almost as many games in the last 3 years as a favorite Carson as they did in the first 12 under Mike Gundy and i'm just i'm going to keep beating that drum because that is the biggest evidence that we have that the trajectory of this program is is bad that Mike Gundy's doing a bad job i mean you can talk about the the deep dive on analytics and like next level statistics and what Gundy said and what I saw how have they done what's their conference record how have they done as a favorite and uh, how have they done as a home favorite and those numbers are not good
0: yeah and it, it goes back to your point that that teams reflect coaches right well but until that Baylor game OSU had beaten a ranked opponent four straight times in Stillwater for some reason, they get up for the really good ranked teams and they don't for teams they think they're better than. I think that might be a reflection of the head coach. Mike Gunny's used to beating up on Tech and Baylor, and perhaps he coaches that way and his players perform that way. Maybe that's why they're losing to programs they have no business losing to and haven't lost to in years. So, again, thats I don't know if that's true, but it leads you to wonder. So I think those are interesting stats and, and telling stats.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um. Okay, we'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday, somewhere around there, to talk about Iowa State. I might have to walk back some Iowa State takes from earlier this year. <laughs> uh, that won't be good. Uh, hey, at least at least Oklahoma say it's going to Ames this weekend. That's always fun. We need to, yeah. we need to, we need basketball season to start. Where's where's Mike Boynton? Um. Okay, Carson, great stuff. Thanks again to MidFirst. Thanks again to Chris's. You guys are the best, and we will talk soon. Sounds good.